everything is on the table so he can qualify in all 50 states, which is what he's trying to do. And in some of those states, I'm forgetting the exact number, but you have to have a vice presidential nominee. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, February 9th. Today, I'm joined by Teddy Schleifer to talk about Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s hunt for a running mate to join him on his third-party 2024 ticket. Teddy also has the scoop on Sam Bankman-Fried's harebrained effort to get Tom Brady to run for president. And later, Dylan Byers swings by to decipher the latest talent shakeup at CNN. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you've got your Super Bowl plans in place, that you're cooking up some disgusting, greasy food with all your friends. I'm joined today by Teddy Schleifer to talk about uh, some fun and frivolous, perhaps, uh, politics-adjacent items. Also, football-adjacent, including Teddy's uh, little scoop that Sam Bankman-Fried once thought about getting Tom Brady to run for president. But before getting into that, Teddy, um, you know, former Bay Area resident, I know you're sad about it. Are you a Niners fan? Do you have the, you want the Niners to win or? I got I got no. to San Francisco right during uh, kind of the the peak of Niners uh, front runnerness. Um, so yes, um, Peter, do you, remember, do you remember Town Tavern uh, in Adams Morgan, which was not? Oh far from yeah, right? man. That that is the that is like the DC Niners bar. So um, uh, I will be there oh. on Sunday. You know, rooting for uh, my, my my hometown in quotes team. Um, what's what's your plan? I used to live around the corner from Town Tavern up on Lanier Place in Adams Morgan. Um, we will be watching with some of Katie's friends, coming up with some recipes here. My family in Richmond and our family friends, the Starns, always come up with a menu where they cook one thing from, you know, one of the towns and, you know, one thing from the other town. So, for example, like if the Ravens were in it, you'd have like Maryland crabs. So, I don't know... I, I know Casey Barbecue and Burnt Ends would be the move for Kansas City. What, what is the local delicacy for San Francisco? Is it Chinese food? <laughs> I, I would guess it would be sourdough bread. Um, is sort of like the uh, I don't know if that really makes for a uh, like a nosh uh, at the Super Bowl, but um, I love that. You know, one year my girlfriend and I uh, during the COVID year, February twenty one. <laughs> made like nine dishes for to be clear this is a party featuring just the two of us um it, it was it was it was the uh superb owl party where it was just the two of us and we made a menu and whole thing and uh it was a different time when we we're very bored and um i'm sure she'll appreciate me me retelling that story for all, all no we homies. did uh during covid uh, we had tickets to coachella got canceled uh so the two of us just made our own coachella in our house we called it couchella and we just oh, wow. uh, made some 
Palomas, I think, and some margaritas and just like watched YouTube videos of old Coachella uh, sets. So that's how depressing that time was. Uh, and I should be clear, the Niners dump stadium is actually in Santa Clara. So who knows what their mm. regional delicacies are in Santa Clara. Sure. Very different. Very different. <laughs> so, Teddy, heading into Friday... Got a little, you've got some like lighthearted reporting uh, that I sure. that I still thought was worth talking about. One, this is a scoop. You're, you're one of the scoop kings, at Puck. RFK Jr., his team, put out a phone call to a certain someone that listeners might know of asking if he would want to be considered as his running mate this year for his third-party bid. Um, NBC's Von Hillier did an interview with RFK the other day, and he said he was going to pick his running mate within the month. Uh, who is this person mm-hmm. he called? Uh, his name is Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang is uh, or has been considered uh, by RFK to be uh, his possible running mate. And the interview with, with NBC, you know, he's saying in the next 30 days because RFK right now, um, as we've talked about on the podcast before, is trying desperately to make as many ballots as possible. He's an independent candidate. He is you know, looking at other parties' lines, and you know, and everything is on the table uh, so he can qualify in, in all 50 states, which is what he's trying to do. And mm-hmm. in some of those states, I'm forgetting the exact number, but you have to have a vice presidential uh, nominee, or oh. not really nominee because you're an independent candidate, but you have to explicitly say who your vice president will be uh, in order to qualify for the ballot, which is why um, he needs to do this ASAP. Um, but but one leak from from the RFK camp, right, is that he's called Andrew Yang a couple weeks ago to, to feel him out. You know, this was not an offer. This was not, uh, this is not, I think, frankly, probably going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a peek behind the curtain at, at where RFK is right now. And, you know, he's going to be uh, a big player in kind of the presidential race one way or another, whether it's 5% or 15% or, or whatever. RFK is, is calling around. My understanding is he's sort of looking for Someone off the beaten path. I know it's going to be a shocker to, to people who follow RFK. But he's not looking for a conventional politician. Um, he's looking for for celebrities. Like I think someone like Tony Robbins is plausible. But but one one name that we can report he, he has sort of inquired with is uh, the guy who people once thought a couple years ago was going to be the next mayor of New York City, Andrew Yang. Man, I almost forgot Andrew Yang ran for mayor, and that was only what, like a year or two ago. Um, so theoretically, what what does Kennedy's team think Yang would bring to the ticket? Like, clearly the disaffected contrarian youths. Uh, they seem to like Andrew Yang when he ran for president. Internet Reddit dwellers who like crypto, perhaps. Like, what are they looking for in a running mate? Why does Yang appeal to them? And, and I guess more importantly, did Yang give them an answer on this? So I was, I was joking a minute ago when I was talking about Tony Robbins, but I, I do feel like Yang... The logic applies to Yang as it does to someone like, you know, RFK's friend, Tony Robbins, which is, you know, if, if a vice presidential ticket is about addition, right? Uh, Yang has his own kind of, you know, homies and people who are obsessed with him and wear the math hats and, you know, all that mm-hmm. garbage. And, and RFK has <laughs> his own little, you know, uh, group of, of, of homies. And, you know, you add one group together to another group and suddenly, you know, maybe 5% becomes 6% or 7%. So look, I mean, these, these are two people who, um, as you're hinting at Peter, have uh, you know, heterodox group uh, of supporters um, who, you know, thumb their nose at the establishment. You know, Andrew Yang has been a vocal critic of, of the Biden administration. You know, he has he has a big media profile. I mean, he's on TV all the time. Um, Yang has been, you know, campaigning in New Hampshire with, with Dean Phillips. Um, and Yang has endorsed Dean Phillips. Yang's campaign manager from 2020 is Dean Phillips' uh, 
de facto campaign manager. Yang uh, wants to see you know a younger candidate. I don't know. I don't know if RFK is really that much younger, but you know he's not 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 Dean Phillips spry. But uh, you know we all saw him on the incline bench press at uh, in 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 Venice. So uh, he's 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 in good shape. And, and and joking aside, I mean I do think that uh, Yang would be a good get if you were RFK, but. My understanding is is that Andrew was non-committal on this call, you know, sort of humored by this. Yang, you know, disagrees with with RFK on plenty. I mean, uh, Yang was pretty pro-vaccine to, uh, for for starters, and you know, I think I don't think mm-hmm. Andrew Yang is a sort of RFK voter, but. I also get the sense that Andrew Yang likes relevance and, you know, he's on, he's got three or four different kind of post-political projects or post-public office projects that he's working on. Um, And, you know, if you could be a vice presidential nominee on a, on a quote unquote major ticket, it seems hard to not be a little intrigued, right? I mean, uh, you take the call, but my understanding is Yang is noncommittal and probably not likely to do it, but flattered to be asked. Teddy, before you go, one more scoop you had it was about Sam Bakeman Fried. He will not go away. You uncovered some <laughs> Sorry. some gossip from I know <laughs> it's all thanks to you, in fact, that he's not going away because we're going to keep reading about things like this. Did he want Tom Brady to run for president? And was this a was this a serious thing he was going to put money behind and try to get him to do? You know, basically pre Tom Brady's life blowing up, just you know to some extent in it. Unrelated to Sam's life blowing up, but not entirely unrelated because Brady was a big uh, booster of Sam and was an FTX uh, pitch man and and is actually being sued by some people who had money on FTX. Um, Brady and SBF were close and SBF thought Tom Brady should be the next president of the United States. And Brady was obviously not running for president, but Sam uh, thought that, you know, the Fox sports talent to be could be, uh, you know, the next uh, White House occupant to be. And as a Republican, as a Republican. And, and, you know, so, yeah, so he could beat Trump in a primary, right? Right. <laughs> I was going to say, I, 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 you know, I, I know this just sounds like, you know, oh, rich, rich guy thinks that like, you know, their favorite sports star should be the next president. I, I to give Sam's point of view, you know, a little bit of, of, of credit and to flesh it out a bit, you know, Sam, like lots of Democratic mega donors thought that Trump was an existential threat to democracy. And, you know, Sam did spend, you know, uh, some money in 2020 to try to beat Trump. And, you know, four years later, he was talking about spending a billion dollars to beat Trump. And the logic is, if you want to beat Trump, you have two chances to do it. One is in the Republican primary, one is in the general election. Why not take both shot? And, you know, the who, who knows? I mean, obviously, a conventional politician like Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, as we now know, was not the way to beat Trump. Like, maybe Tom Brady could beat Trump in a primary. Who the hell knows? You know, Sam even conducted some polling on this question about whether or not Brady was, was popular enough um, with Americans. Uh, I'm also told and report in the story that Sam at least told people that he told Brady about this directly, that Sam propositioned Tom on running for president of the United States sometime in 2022. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, this is this is funny. This is ancient history. You know, I, I'm, I'm sharing this lightly because, you know, this didn't happen, but it does sort of show... Uh, kind of the, the way that he thought the game was played, right? Which is, you can just throw money at this and convince your famous athlete friends to, to run. And, and this wasn't really serious because it never went anywhere. And But lots of Sam's political plays weren't serious at all up until the moment they happened, right? The, the line between not happening and, and happening was, was so paper thin um, with everything that Sam touched. So 
congrats congrats to all the parties involved uh, i think everyone uh, dodged a bullet here yeah i don't want to hear tom brady talk about politics sorry do you want to hear tom um, brady talk about sports though because you are going to get that all of the 2024 2025 football season so well uh, i don't know if i want to hear more than greg olson but um i'll want to hear more than tony romo we'll see we'll see typical rich guy political fantasy uh as you wrote as you wrote um teddy enjoy the game this weekend uh the superb owl and uh i guess i don't even know who i'm rooting for i'm just rooting for uh you know i'm rooting for actually is my friend sarah jordan and her team who helped edit ben affleck's dunkin donuts super bowl commercial which is going to be awesome enjoy that thanks so much teddy when we come back dylan byers is here to talk about more changes at cnn Hey guys, it's Peter. When I'm not recording the pod, let's be honest, I'm probably snacking, I get hungry. But when I can steal some moments during the day, I do like to eat healthy. And eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. And this is big, no cooking required. I recommend the smoothies. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. These are two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are are pancakes i love pancakes more than waffles more than french toast a couple of my favorites so far the red chili chicken tamale bowl and the smoky bacon and cheddar egg bites i love egg bites discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast midday bites and more no prep no mess meals factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping cooking or cleanup needed so sign up and save. Head to factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 and use code powers that be 50 to get 50% off. That's code powers that be 50 at factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 to get 50% off. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. I'm Ben here with Dylan Byers, live from New York. Dylan is now back in his hotel room after a delightful visit to the Puck <laughs> HQ uh, Dylan, where are you? Staying at the, the the Pierre, the Crosby? Where are you at? I uh, not the Chelsea now. I just I I need to be as close to the office as possible. Uh, well, it's good <laughs> to see you, man. It's nice to have um, a lot of the team on the East Coast this week. But uh, let, let's get right into it because there has been a lot of big news at CNN this week, and uh, you are among other things the network's foremost chronicler. So on Monday, the, the new CEO Mark Thompson told staff that quote. He has decided to reshape how we approach mornings on domestic cable. 
Dylan, you read those programming moves pretty differently. So, so first of all, tell me what's mm-hmm. changing at CNN, and then what does it actually mean in terms of Thompson's new editorial strategy? Yeah, so very. I mean, to the fo- to the folks who are still watching CNN in the morning, uh, <laughs> I, I just want to skip to the relevant part here, which is there. There are also there's all sorts of like sort of shuffling of, of musical chairs or deck chairs on the Titanic, as, as most people would put it. But the real news here is that. The morning show, which is, as, as we think of morning shows, which is sort of a, an enterprise that usually runs from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. and sort of strives to be like, the you know, gain ratings and revenue for a network, whether it's a broadcast network or a cable network, everyone does it. CNN is no longer going to compete in that space. And so CNN this morning, hosted now by Phil Mattingly and Poppy Harlow, is going to go away entirely. They will sort of give the name over to, you know, a 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. hosted by Casey Hunt. And then they're just going to like proceed with the sort of very generic HLN style news digest of the day and effectively seed that, that sort of morning show forum over to their rivals who have sort of always performed better than them in this regard. And Morning Joe, Fox and Friends, and and certainly today in GMA. This is a big deal for a number of reasons. One is CNN has actually been trying to compete in the morning space for decades. Uh, Certainly it was a big priority for Jeff Zucker, who, of course, got his start, you know, sort of came to fame as the executive producer of the Today Show and tried to make this happen at CNN with New Day uh, in various iterations. Some worked, kind of, some did not. And uh, it was a big priority for Chris Licht, who was also came to fame as a morning show producer at Morning Joe. And he sort of um, failed rather spectacularly by trying to put Don Lemon and Caitlin Collins and Poppy Harlow on the same set without adequate uh, rehearsal time. And... Mark Thompson has come to the conclusion, driven in no small part by his recognition that linear television is in decline, that CNN always has failed to compete in this space, and that uh, he needs money to sort of fuel the new investments that he's making, that he's just not going to play in this space anymore. And so that arguably makes sense if you are trying to to pivot this business to to become digital first, as he is, and as he has made very clear. But understandably, it is scaring the holy bejesus out of the television natives, the veterans of CNN who have been there for a long time. And until he actually puts forward a coherent and concrete digital strategy, it has left even the digital folks at CNN feeling anxious about their future because no one really knows what the future of CNN looks like. And it feels as if he is starting to tear down the old building before building up the new one. And so we have arrived, Ben, yet again at (laughs) yet another era of anxiety at CNN. Hopefully this one will be short-lived if Mark Thompson can sort of articulate what the digital strategy looks like. But until then, I think there's going to be quite a bit of hand-wringing over at Hudson Yards. Yeah, Dylan, I have a, a ton of 
thoughts here and, and um, you know, not to, to repeat what you've just said, but it really does seem like an acknowledgement that CNN, except for the captive eyeballs that it's got at dentist offices or in airport waiting areas, um, it doesn't actually have that many viewers. It doesn't make a lot of sense to spend a ton of money for celebrity-driven morning show formats when, you know, to your point, people are watching GMA or Fox or Friends or whatever. And um, you don't actually need to spend that much money on talent when you just need a good enough looking person who can read a teleprompter. That's what you need for a 24-7 news product. You don't really need celebs in these roles anymore. Um, it just doesn't make sense for the PNL anymore. And yeah, the outcome is we're probably gonna have a product that's more reminiscent of the BBC, where, where Thompson ran things for, uh, for about a decade. I mean, it's really going to be a massive shift for this network. But let, let's get into the anxiety, because you, you mentioned that, and uh, obviously that's part of uh, our interest in all of this. How are Mattingly and Harlow taking this reshuffle? And, and, and what do you think the message is to the other sort of, I want to call them B-level talent at CNN, the, the people who are either just on the cusp of hoping to get their own show or maybe just on the cusp of losing one? Yeah, well, I want to come back to your your thesis about the direction of, of CNN here, because uh, and, and sort of how much you need to actually be paying this talent, because I do think it is it is mostly right. But you know, the the fate of Mattingly and Harlow is actually sort of indicative of that. Neither of them are are happy, right? Like Poppy Harlow got this gig at a moment when this was like this Don Lemon, Caitlin Collins, Poppy Harlow show was going to be sort of one of the, like the flagship shows of the network in the Chris Licht era. She was the sort of sole survivor to come out of all of that chaos. But what she came out with was like, you know, (laughs) like she was like the last person left standing on the least watched morning show that very quickly was not going to become an investment. So now, and now she's not even on that show and her future at the network is sort of, I'm sure they'll put her somewhere and she will do something. She's hardly going to, you know, become like the face of the network in the sense that she she might have been for a moment. And as for Phil Mattingly, look, he is, he is like a widely respected and sort of like internally beloved person at that network and uh, sort of generally viewed as like a good human. And I think that he will he will land somewhere uh, where he will do quite well relative to to you know the network. I think he's going to be just fine. But what they are facing, which is what every almost every anchor and talent at CNN is facing, is exactly what you talked about. If 300,000 people are watching in the morning or 500,000 people are watching at night, you don't need to be paying people seven, eight figures in order to have them go on camera, read words that someone else has written, and, and you know, and just sort of, and just sort of like sit with the guests and and sort of facilitate a roundtable conversation. And so that world in which like uh, you know a Don Lemon was making you know or or someone like that was making like six seven eight million dollars a year, that world is not going to exist anymore. Caitlin Collins is probably the last person for my money who's going to get promoted to prime time and see like a massive bump in their salary up to like, you know, the like low to mid seven figures, this is going to be a world in which people are going to get paid significantly less to do the same thing. And by and large, I don't think like the fundamentals of like the ratings are going to change all that drastically because they're already pretty low. Now, the question for me is, 
in order to sustain CNN's brand power in the sort of national imagination, in order to still be relevant on election night or when when the news breaks and the bomb goes off and the riot and you know the riot or the revolution happens how many of those like known quantities do you need to keep paying right do you need Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer and Aaron Burnett and Anderson Cooper or could or like do you maybe just need to invest in like one or two star talents i don't know the answer to that question what i do know is that people who are coming up in the network now or coming up at any network now um, who thought that they might be looking at these sort of high seven figure salaries are probably not living in a world where they're going to get those anymore. I mean, I think you're right. That's a great question. Like, how important is Wolf Blitzer or Anderson Cooper to this brand? And what is CNN without them? I think you're right that we are probably going to find out in the next few years. Um, and by the way, just, just to defend these people for a second, where they're, they're exorbitant salaries, which, um, again, I, I agree that that is inevitably going to come down because it's not sustainable and it's not the world that we really live in anymore. But it is a hard job. I mean, on one level, yes, you just have to be good at reading a teleprompter, but you also have to fill dead air. You've got to conduct interviews. You've got to make it look seamless. It's not a job I could do in a million years. And I, I think, um, you know, maybe sometimes people forget that because these people do uh, more often than not make it look easy. No, that's true. But Ben, one thing I would point out really quickly, though, Mark Thompson spent a lot of time at the BBC, and he was the director general of the BBC. And there were a lot of people there who were getting paid, you know, probably I would say like, I'm guessing here a little bit, but maybe 500, 600, 700,000 pounds a year to do this. And they did a fine job of it, right? And they delivered the news in a straightforward and responsible way. And if that is what Mark Thompson wants out of the linear product, he is going to find a way to get it for around the same price. Dylan, last question for you, just going back to a point you were just raising about this brand. There are obviously concerns within CNN, especially from talent, that Thompson is basically retreating from the cable news game, from the ratings wars. He is, he is, he is recusing himself from that. And even among people who believe that he's smart, to refocus the company on this pivot to digital. There's got to be plenty of anxiety, too, that this is ground that maybe he cannot win back if he sees it now, and that maybe that hurts the digital brand that he's trying to expand to. Do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, well, look, I think there's the, there's a fear that, I mean, pull just pull back really quickly. Basically, what you've got is you've got a business that for 40-plus years has been a, a television business. You're trying to move it into this, like we keep talking about like the digital future, the mobile future. It is obviously like very much the digital and mobile present. And in ostensibly in order to do that, you have to take the power that the CNN brand has as a television network and move those people over and um, to this digital product. We'll also sort of making it a much more engaging product for, for all of the people who come to CNN.com. The concern here that that I think people have is if you, again, if you sort of tear down the building before you, you know, you sort of like tear down all, everything that CNN has built over these last 40 years before you actually stand up this new digital product, by the time you stand it up, are you going to, like, are people really, are people going to care to engage with the CNN brand as much as they would have had you done this when CNN was sort of in its heyday? And I think that those concerns probably underestimate the enduring value of the CNN brand. 
and by the way, I should say here, I'm not I'm not suggesting that he's like turning off television. Television will obviously be a very key part of what CNN does, but it's going to look very different, and the cost structure and the economics are going to be different. But that is where the concern is coming from: is are are we basically seeding the linear battle too fast before we have something new to show for ourselves? And again, Mark Thompson's got a great track record. I think that the CNN brand is strong despite everything it has endured over the last five, six years. Trump licked, Warner Brothers Discovery, et cetera. But that is the source of anxiety inside the building right now. Yeah, these are these are big, tough questions that Thompson is uh, is grappling with. And I, I don't envy him. I think, uh, you know, on some level, there's probably no good answers, but um, we'll see how it all shakes out. Dylan, thanks, as always, for stopping by. Great to see you. Good to see you, Ben. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you on Monday. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.